Welcome to Growing in Grace with Associate Pastor Josh Shell. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Josh gives today's message. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, good. It's good to see you all. Uh, but we're going to be continuing uh, through the letter of the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out for me. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 this morning. We'll be looking at the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and I'm very excited about this. And so we're going to uh, read in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to go back to, verses, to verse 16, and we're going to read through 24. So if you guys want to stand with me in honor of God's Word, <clears throat> I would love that. I'm actually going to get a sip of water real quick. We're going to start here in verse 16. This is where Victor uh, walked us through last week, but we're going to read through verse 24 because I feel like it sets us up really well. So picking up verse 16, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, and these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing things you uh, want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, beginning up verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I feel like I could make a song out of that. Um, I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Will you guys pray with me? Lord God, we just come before you and Lord, we recognize that we are human and that we are sinful. And as a result of our sinful flesh, Lord, we have this natural desire to want to stray off your path. Um, and, but God, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, that you'll give us the tools and the insight that we need to make sure that we stay on this path. Because, um, Lord, you've given us the greatest gift that we could ever receive through the Holy Spirit. And he is our guide. And he is our guarantor of our inheritance. And I just pray, Father, that we will truly cling to him as he uh, pierces our soul and he, and he leads us through this life. Uh, but, God, I just pray, that, again, you'll just lead us through this passage, that your word would be made known. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. So again, Paul, what Victor walked us through last week, Paul is, is saying these things such as, um, go back to verse 16, says, but walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? So walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the things that look appealing to you that are actually dangerous for you, okay? And he says, and the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. 
For these are opposed to each other to keep you from wanting to do them. There's a reason why they're not in the same category. There's a reason why they're not in the same uh, topic or anything like that, right? Um, but they're, they're opposite of each other to keep you from wanting to do them. And it goes on verse 18, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And then it goes into this extremely long list of works to the flesh, right? So you got sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, these works of the flesh. This is a very profound list. And this is a list that Paul puts together for us, not as an exhaustive, like, hey, these are the, these are the sins of the sins list, but rather he's saying these are the common sins in which we have a tendency of falling into. And he says, and these are the things that are going to be at work against you. And you've got to be ready to fight against them. Again, when we walk by the Spirit, we will no longer want to desire these works of the flesh because they are opposed to the Spirit, which we'll look at in verse 22 here in just a minute. But what I do want to do for a second is that I just want to kind of break these, this list down. Okay, I don't want to focus too much, too, I don't want to zoom in on it too much, but I just want to at least break it down and categorize it for you so that way you can kind of get an idea what Paul is hitting on for us here, right? So you can break this down into four different categories is what I've typically seen is most people commonly break them down into. And the first category is sexual sin, okay? So your sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, promiscuity, right? And this comes, this word sexual morality, it stems from the Greek word porneia, right? Um, so the Greek word porneia sounds very similar to what we would call pornography today, right? So this is a very serious sin that Paul is hitting on. And this is a very common sin that which he hits on with every church. When he talks about things that you need to avoid, he always talks about sexual morality and adultery, these sexual temptations, because it is evil, it is probably one of the most evil things. It's not the most evil things. I'm just saying it's one of the most evil things that we can do to ourselves because it distorts the original intent of what God has for us when we love one another. The idea of love, and this is a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day, but it is so intimate because of how God has uniquely designed it and how we're supposed to be in relationship with one another, just like we're supposed to be in relationship with God. By us loving one another, we get a glimpse of God's love for us. So when we distort that, we are just destroying what God has created us to do and the, and the relationship in which he's created us for, right? And it goes on to the second category of the religious sins. So idolatry and sorcery, things that are still very prominent today. How many of you guys have ever had an idol in your life? All y'all better be raising up your hands. Okay. All of us have idols in our lives. I know I caught you off guard. Y'all weren't ready for that, were you? Yeah, that's why I thought. All right, so we all have idols in our lives. This is, these are things that are still very prominent today. Uh, then the third one, and this is probably the most extensive list in which he hits on, is the relational sins. Because, you know, we are so perfect at relationships. Right? So enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, 
I almost want to just ask you guys to stand up if you ever committed one of these this week, but then everybody would be standing up. So I don't want to do that to you. So, but let's be honest. These are things that we still struggle with. And the last category is indulgence, which is the drunkenness or orgies or, or corrosing. These things like this, the, the indulgent sins in our life that we think will fill our spirit, but really they will only destroy us. So these are the works of the flesh. And, but this, notice how he ends this list real quick uh, in verse 19, or, or sorry, verse 21. He says, after he lists the envy, drunkenness, orgies, and he says, and things like these, right? So again, this is not an exhaustive list that which Paul is, is saying, hey, you guys need to avoid just these works of the flesh, but rather, what Paul is saying here is that, yes, you need to avoid these works of the flesh, but these are just a list of common sins that I know that everybody struggles with. The list can go on and on and on and on and on of the works of the flesh in which wage war against our soul that separate us from God. So we don't need to be bogged down in, the, in this specific list saying, oh, like, oh my goodness, these are like the unforgivable sins, the core sins that will exclude us from the kingdom. Because let's be honest, we have a tendency to doing that too. Of highlighting certain sins in which that, are, that will exclude you from the kingdom of God as if like they're the most unforgivable sins, but that's not true. Any sin in the eyes of God, any sin will exclude you from the kingdom of God if you're habitually walking in them. And that's what Paul is trying to get here. That's what Paul is trying to get to the heart of here. It's not about what sin you do, but rather it's about the heart condition by which you commit the sin. Hello? Thank you. Thank you. Again, he's not saying that if you commit one or more of these sins that you're automatically excluded from the kingdom of God, nor is he saying that if an that an individual can lose their salvation if he falls back or if he or she falls back into a sin or sins. But what but what he's trying to say here is that um, he's making distinction that if one habitually is living in these sins without conviction or repentance, they're the ones who need to live in fear of being excluded from the kingdom of God. Because as many of us know, for those of us who are in Christ, and those of us who have received the free gift of salvation, we have been redeemed. We have been bought by the blood of Christ. And we are no longer the old creation, the old person who we once were, but now that we are a new creation. We are a new creation. We should no longer desire these works of the flesh. So he's given us this, this list of sins and he's saying, hey, you need to avoid these things and the things like these because now that you're in Christ, you should no longer desire them. You should no longer desire these things. Just like when I'm walking down on that horse and he knows what he needs to do. He says, ooh, that grass looks good. He's like, nope, I don't want that spur on my side. This is what Paul's saying. You don't want to experience the, 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 the separation from God because of the way that you, you think that, that, that sin is going to uh, fulfill something in your life. If you habitually follow after these sins, thinking that that is your God, you're going to be eternally separated from the kingdom of God. That's a very scary place to be. And unfortunately, many people in this world today are walking around believing that they are saved 
and that they have Christ, but yet they are habitually walking in sin that they are not repenting of and they're not confessing. And unfortunately for them, that is not a mark of a believer. Because anybody who is in Christ is a new creation. They should no longer desire the passions of the flesh, but rather they should only desire the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Sorry, I'm getting a little hot right now. That's great. Um, but anyway, so, if one is living a, a, a life in such a manner of the flesh, then they truly need to assess or reassess their heart because they may truly have never been saved to begin with. That's a, that, Y'all probably like, whoa, Josh, you're treading on some dirty water there. Amen, I know. It's time for us to wake up and realize that if we're not reassessing our hearts daily over the things of which we're not repenting of, that's a, that's a serious heart issue. And we need to bring that before the throne of God every single day. And then he ends this, this section with a warning there at the, at the end of verse 21. He says this, it says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a very scary warning. Again, I'm not trying to make you guys doubt or question your salvation because that's not what Paul's trying to do here. For those of you guys who are in the room who have a relationship with Jesus. He's not saying, man, if you struggle with one of these sins, even though you've been redeemed and purchased by the blood of Christ, then man, you are in trouble. That's not what he's saying. But rather he's saying, check your heart condition behind it. And this is something that Paul hits on over and over again in his letter to the churches. So this isn't just the church of Galatia, the churches of Galatia that are struggling with this. But hear what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, swindlers, sorry, will inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on also in Ephesians 5, in verse 5, he says, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness or covetous, gosh, that's a, that's a tricky word, or an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God or in Christ. And the last one I want to refer to is actually in Revelation 22, verses 14 and 15. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they have the right to the tree of life and that they, are, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral, murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, the works of the flesh. So again, this is a constant theme in which Paul is writing to the churches. And even in there in, in Revelation with the apostle John, right? This is something that we need to take very seriously. If we have anger in our hearts towards our brother and our sister that we can't seem to get rid of, or if we have frustration or bitterness or jealousy or envy, if these are habitual things that we are struggling with, we really need to bring it before the, the throne of God and allow him to extinguish it from our lives. 
Because when you're walking in those things, when you're walking in those works of the flesh, there's no way you can be in a right relationship with Jesus. You cannot, the spirit cannot work in you if you're so bogged down in the works of the flesh. That's where the surrender comes in. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you're surrendering these works of the flesh and you're allowing him to take over your life and to lead you down the the true path of righteousness. And you're able to overcome these works of the flesh. Y'all feeling me? So again, let me clarify this. I just want to go back. We'll say it one more time. About this, uh, about those who, um, about what Paul is saying here within these verses. Okay, these are warnings for those who commit sins outside of the redeeming finished work of Christ. Does that make sense? So what Paul is saying here for this warning, when he says that I've warned you, I've warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a warning for those who are outside the redeemed, finished work of Christ. If that's you today, you need to heed this warning. But for those of us who are in Christ, praise God that he has washed us that he has bought us through his blood. Because by his blood, we have been washed clean. By his blood, we are now saved. And we can now live in the fruit of the spirit without fear. So for anyone who's in Christ, we, but here's the thing, we will still wrestle with our sin until we receive our inheritance in Christ, right? Again, that's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter seven that Victory alluded to last week. And this is one of those like very confusing passages. Like for the things that I wanna do, I don't see myself doing, but the things that I don't wanna do, those are the things I keep on doing. And, and if I keep on doing those things, that means that the law is good, right? That was the Josh Shelf translation, sorry. But so this idea of for us as believers, is, it doesn't mean that when we receive Christ that we're gonna be sinless that we're gonna be able to overcome all of our sin. Guys, we're still gonna struggle. I, I could stand before you today and say, I still struggle with sin. Cast the first stone, do it. So we're still gonna struggle with sin, but the difference is, is that for those of us who are in Christ, we've been bought, we've been redeemed. For those of us who are outside of Christ, for those who are outside of Christ, you have not been redeemed and you're living in a lifestyle that is condemning you for eternity. But let's flip the switch here, okay? Let's, let's go from the, 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 the works of the flesh, the things that are scary, right? And let's look at the works of the, the fruit, the fruit of the spirit, right? Picking up here at verse 21. So very similarly, Paul gives us a list of the works of the flesh. He now gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And this is a very beautiful list, right? So he goes on and we can all probably say together that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, or sorry, goodness, faithfulness. Man, I'm out of order. Gentleness, self-control, right? And against such things, there is no law. But I also want to break these down for you. You ready? I'm going to break them down to uh, three categories. The first category is the upward qualities. And the reason why I want to break these down for you is because we cannot achieve any of these on our own. Right? So the upward qualities here are the love, joy, and peace. And these are the qualities that can only be found 
in God. None of us can truly love. None of us could truly have joy or peace without receiving them first from God. And it's no uh, mistake that Paul lists the first word there of love. Because it is, it is from love in which by everything else is fulfilled. After all, the greatest commandments can be, be summed up in what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And as you do these things, everything else will follow. So your first category is the upper qualities, which are found in God only. Love, joy, and peace. And then you have the outward qualities. These are the qualities that are produced uh, or fortified from being in God. So this is a result of, of receiving the love, the joy, and the peace of God. Now you have patience. Woo! Patience. That's a hard one. Some of y'all are having a hard time being patient with me. I'm not going fast enough. What about kindness or goodness? These are things that are consumed and wrapped up in the love and the joy and the peace in which we receive from God. And the last one, the inward qualities. These are the qualities that are established by truly being led by the Spirit. Not by yourself, not by your siblings, not by your spouse or anybody else, but by the Spirit. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Have you guys tried to do any of those three things on your own? Woof. They're hard, right? But here's a few things that I want to point out, a few observations about this list and how Paul gives it to us. The first thing I want to uh, bring to your attention is this, is that it's when he introduces it, he says it's the fruit of the Spirit. We have a tendency of saying the fruits of the Spirit, as if like they're individual characteristics. But no, look carefully at how Paul says it and how the Spirit told him to say it. It is the fruit, a singular word, not plural, singular. It is the fruit of the Spirit, meaning that there is no separation or distinction between each virtue. But rather, they are unified and cohesive with one another. So in other words, you can't have love and not have the other ones. You can't have joy and not have the other ones. You cannot have faithfulness or gentleness or self-control without being kind or good or patient. You guys feel me? We have a tendency of thinking, oh, today I want to choose patience, but not love. Mm-mm, that homegirl down the road, she frustrated me. I don't want to love her today. Or that dude that looked at me wrong, or the guy who honked his horn at me. Yeah, not today. Mm-mm, right? No. When we put on, when we receive Christ and we put on the fruit of the Spirit, it's not a matter of selecting which one you want to choose, which one you want to put on that day, but rather it's a matter of you have to put it on every single day, all of them. If you truly want to be an example of Christ and be a light into the darkness. It's those moments where it's really hard to love that one guy who just won't stop talking like me. I don't know, but you got to love me. You got to be patient with me because you're in Christ, hopefully. And I praise the Lord for that, right? 
So again, you cannot have one virtue without the other. I was going to make this, this little joke. Oh, I'm going to say it. It's not McDonald's, people. You can't have it your way, okay? You got to have it. You got to receive it all. You can't pick and choose what you want. The second thing that I want you to understand is that we, and I've said this before, we cannot produce the spirit on our own, or the fruits of the spirit on our own. We cannot do it. Only through the Holy Spirit can one genuinely produce these virtues. You can try to convince yourself over and over again that you're a good person, that you're patient, that you're loving, that you're joyful. But at the end of the day, as, as Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 3 and, and verses 10 and 12, no one is righteous and, and, and no one is good. No one understands. No one sees God. All have sinned and turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So at the end of the day, that's who we are by nature of our sin. So again, you could try to convince yourself that you can produce these virtues, but without the Holy Spirit, you can't produce a single one. So you need to press into the Spirit if you want to produce these virtues. And if you proclaim to be in Christ and you believe that you have a relationship with Him, you should desire that every day. You should wake up every single day frustrated in the fact that you want to be angry or that you are angry. I, am I the only one? I, I, when I wake up in the morning, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be frustrated or, or and I don't want to hold bitterness or frustration towards anybody. But again, I'm human and I fall short. But when I recognize that, I have an opportunity to go back to the source that can extinguish those things and bring me true joy and love. That's through the Holy Spirit, right? So no one is capable of producing good, uh, producing good without the Holy Spirit. And again, this is a consistent message that Paul has been declaring all throughout this book and not just in the book of Galatians, but in all of his letters in the entire New Testament. It's not even just Paul. But from the beginning of his letter, though, he's been declaring that there is no other gospel that is capable of doing what the true gospel of Jesus can do. There is no other way for us to be justified or to be found righteous than by faith in Christ alone. Sorry about that. So we must... Um, so we must put to death the passions and desires of the flesh in which he's talking about. And we must walk by the Spirit, truly surrendering our lives to the true gospel, the good news of our Messiah, Savior, who came to take away the sins of the flesh so that we can now walk in his righteousness. And now and we can, we can cling to his redeeming work and redeeming blood, which ultimately allows us to walk in freedom. Uh, separated from the works of the flesh. So, which leads me to the third thing that I want us to look at. You cannot achieve the fruit of the Spirit through the law or through works. That's the third thing I want us to see. You could try to, to do all the good works that you want, but it doesn't matter how many good things you do, it will not produce the fruit of the Spirit. And there is no law that man can create that can produce the fruit of the Spirit. 
That's what Paul's talking about there when he says, against such things, there is no law. When you live by the fruit of the spirit, against such things, there is no law. Because if you remember what Paul was talking about in the beginning part of this book is saying that the law was good when it was first given to us. <coughs> wow, I'm so sorry. Um, the law was good because it was meant to be our guide. It was meant to be our guardian until Christ came, right? So the law was good. But now that Christ has came and, and he has fulfilled every aspect of the law, he is now our law. He is now our guide through the Holy Spirit. So again, any law that is given by man is not good enough to produce any of these fruit. It's only through the Holy Spirit, through the one who fulfilled every aspect of the true law that we can now uh, produce the fruit. So as a result of walking by the Spirit though, the first thing I wanna see here is that we belong to Christ. When you walk by the Spirit, you belong to Christ. And we see that in Galatians chapter two, verse 20, where it says, for I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives within me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The next thing is Galatians 3, verse 13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So through his coming death, and taking on the cross, he has now become the curse of the law for us and he's ultimately fulfilled the law to where we no longer have to uphold it. We just confide in him and he washes us clean. And then Galatians 3, 24 and 26, it says, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Will you guys pray with me? Lord God, we just thank you so much for your word. Um, and Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that is living and active among us, who leads us, who guides us. And when we go off the path of, the, the path of life, he brings us back. You bring us back, Father. But God, for those of them who are, for anybody who's in this room today, they're not feeling that. And they don't, they don't have that assurance of hope and salvation in Christ. I pray, God, that they will come and find that today. Lord, that they will come and receive Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and allow him to do a good work in them, a transformational work that brings them from death to life. But God, only you can do that. So we just lift that to you now and pray that you do a great work in us and through us. But God, again, we thank you for this time and just pray that you just continue to lead us. In Jesus' name.